0: Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. The Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm Amber Fisher and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to see all of you virtually and um, excited for those of you who are listening. Today's topic, we're going to talk about a few things that um, can help increase beneficial outcomes during IVF or, you know, by extension, other fertility treatment cycles. So most of the research that's been done has been specifically done on IVF because it's more of a uh, medical experience, but you can infer from a lot of these evidence that um, that a lot of these things would, would uh, make a difference for other fertility cycles, such as if you were going through, you know, Clomid, Femara, Letrozole which is another name for, for Um, or IUI Cycles, things like that. So first of all, a little housekeeping. Always at the beginning of the podcast, I talk a little bit f- about what's going on with me, a little bit of personal stuff. So if you're here just for the educational info, you can probably skip ahead about 5-10 minutes. Um, but for my listeners, for my regular listeners, what's up, guys? Um, sorry for the cash look today. Just decided, you know, this is what I really look like. <laughs> a lot of the time. A lot of times I dress up for podcasts, you know, because I don't leave my house that much these days. Uh, it's been a while since I've left my house very much. So when I do podcasts, I often like dress up and put on my makeup and do my hair and all that because um, it's fun to do that sometimes. But today I was like, nah, I'm just going to come on here like me. So here I am. Um, so what's been going on with me? Well, uh, I think I told you guys last time that I hired an assistant, which is Awesome. That's going really, really well. And so thank you for all of you guys who, you know, were supportive of that and have been really patient as we're trying to get the kinks work out. We're still kind of in the middle of that. She's taking over a lot of my like emails and stuff. So if there's a little slowness for you guys with email, um, you know, uh, a little confusion, uh, with all that, just be patient with us. You know, definitely if you haven't heard heard from us or something, like reach out again, because we're moving things into different inboxes to try to find like a system that works for us. And it's a little confusing right now. Um, Another thing that I really, really wanted to let you guys know, special announcement. Uh, I finally broke down and did it and I made a Patreon. So um, those of you who don't know what Patreon is. Uh, Patreon is this cool kind of website where you can actually like support your favorite kind of content creators, podcasters, um, people who are doing like virtual work. You can support their content creation. Um, And so you do it like almost like a subscription service. So there are different tiers. Uh, I'm not going to like go into like a ton of it with you guys because you all know that I've been doing this podcast for two years. I have never done the whole like money thing with it. Always, my goal was always to give free content out and to like help people and all that. But I've reached a point in my work where I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing with podcasting. I'm enjoying the work that I'm doing online, and I want to be able to do more of it. And in order to do that, I have to uh, I have to adjust like the financial streams of resources and where they're coming from. And I just feel that, you know, um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, a few of you guys have actually asked me about this and and wanted to know how you could, like, donate or support or whatever, and I, I used to kind of be like, oh, no, no, you know don't do that. Um, but the more I think about it, the more it's like, well, it's up to you. Like nobody's telling you, you have to right? This is still a free podcast. Um, but if you do listen to me regularly and you feel like you get value out of it and you enjoy listening to it and you want to help support, you know, making it better, um, as well as getting some cool, uh, extra special gifts, then I've created resource for, for that. So, um, I, uh, Like I said, I like feel super uncomfortable asking you guys for money. (laughs) And I'm not really doing that. But if that's something that you had, you know, reached out to me about before or something that you've considered or just wondered about, you now have an option to do that. And, you know, if, if you feel so led, I would really, really appreciate it. Um, what I'm doing for my Patreons is, um, so the way it works is there's like three tiers. So it starts out at $5 a month. Uh, so, you know, it's like very low investment. It's not like you're like paying $100 a month for the podcast or whatever, but $5 a month, Um then there's a $10 a month, and then there's a uh $20 a month. And um you can cancel them at any time, I believe. Like, I don't know all the details off the top of my head, but you can go, I linked the website below if you guys are interested in that, and uh, you can find more details there. But what I'm doing is for the different tiers, there are different kind of special bonuses that you get. So the idea is like Patreons for people who are really fans of the show? So, if you're really fans of the show, it stands to reason that you would want to see more of the show. You would want more um, interaction with me. You would want more um, behind the scenes content, special content, all that. So, Patreons get get special things that other people don't get. Um, so, there will be like bonus. Um, bonus content. So I am going to record, um, extra content from each podcast and, um, release that only to Patreons. There will be, um, monthly ask me anything episodes, uh, like live things. So you guys can actually come on there live with me and ask me your nutrition questions and I'll answer them. Uh, And, uh, that'll be pretty cool, right? And then we'll actually record those and then any Patreon, um, at any tier can listen to them, but only Patreons at certain levels can actually participate in the, in the calls, um, and have their questions like answered. And the top level of Patreon will actually get like quarterly hangout sessions with me. So you'll get all the other stuff, but you will also get, um, to, Kind of like meet me in a more casual environment. It'll be online, of course, but you know, we'll just like spend some time hanging out, getting to know each other. And um, it's just like a way for me to try to give back and say thank you um, over and above the work that I'm already doing. Um, but when you do support me, I'll just tell you what will go, what it, where it will go. Um, you know, it'll go to supporting me as a business owner. Um, it'll go to supporting, um, my time towards the podcast. So the more patrons I have, the more time and energy I'll be able to devote just to the podcast and be able to, to kind of like step back a little bit from some other things that I'm doing to make money basically. Um, so it'll go towards, um, more time for research, so potentially even eventually hiring like a research assistant so that the podcast stays really, really up to date on the latest research, the latest trends, things like that. Um, it'll go it'll really go into a lot of like streamlining and um, uh, equipment so we want to get like a better quality microphone here so you guys can hear my voice better we want to get better quality um, editing we want to get um, better lighting we want to get all the things to make it just a better experience for you to listen to. Um, you know, somebody to cut out every time I say, um, <laughs> those kinds of things. But, you know, the biggest thing that you'll be doing is just supporting, supporting me and my livelihood. Like you'll be supporting me and my little family and Calvin. So, um, you know, if that's something that you want to do, it's an option for you. It's definitely not a requirement. And, um, I don't want to, uh, be like super salesy, but I I would really appreciate it. So if, if that sounds like something that you'd like to do, the link is below. Um, I've also started adding my PayPal email address to everything because I did have somebody, um, tell me that she'd love to support the podcast, but she doesn't really want to like subscribe to doing something monthly, which I totally get. Um, so if you do want to give like a one-time donation fee, you know, a one-time donation just to like say thank you, like, hey, I like the podcast, like, Here's a donation. Um, Now you guys can do that. So my PayPal email is below and you can send um, money there. And if you need to like, if you want to make sure with me or whatever, you can email me if like you have any questions on that. Um, And thank you for that. If you choose to do that, I will shout out people who, um, who donate money to me uh, because you deserve a thank you. And, um, and uh, yeah, so, okay. Enough of that. Um, one other thing you can do su- to support if you don't feel like doing anything financial is if you have iTunes um, or you can make an iTunes account, leave us a review. And uh, that really helps get us higher in search rankings. So one of the struggles with a podcast is this is such a saturated market. It's hard to get your podcast in front of new listeners. Um, you know, so if you are a regular listener, you feel like this has value for you, Probably people that you know, or people that you, um, people who are like you, would like it too. But if they don't know how to find it, and it never comes up on their search results, it's hard for it to to get out there. So, um, you know, if you if you leave a review, you're doing you're doing something really major to help the podcast um grow. So thank you. Um, I know you know listeners, my the growth of my podcast is not your top priority. You guys have other things going on. And you want education and things like that, and I'm I'm committed to. To continuing to provide that for you guys. So I appreciate anything that you um, decide to give back in return if you do decide to do that. Okay, moving on. Uh, let's see what else is new with me. Uh, Calvin, I don't know if I told you this, but Calvin is like starting to walk. So it's super cute. So, so far, he still prefers to crawl, but he's started to get more brave and he'll like walk between like the couch and the coffee table. And you know, he'll just like do little four or five steps. And uh, it's so cute. It's really really cute. So, and he's eating. He's eating real food like a big boy. We're trying to kind of trying to transition him off bottles. He's um any of you who have preemies know that sometimes with feeding there's some some slowness there. So, there's been a little bit of difficulty getting him to his um age level with feeding so far, but we're getting there. And he's now um, eating a lot of solid food and drinking from a sippy cup. And so that, that's cool. He's like a real toddler now, which is kind of crazy, like to wrap my head around the fact that I have a toddler. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and get started with today's topic, right? So why are we talking about this? Well, uh, IVF is close to my heart. I for those of you who don't know, I am an IVF mom, so um, I had my son through uh, IVF. He was the result of our second uh, frozen embryo transfer, FET, and um, he was the final embryo of our first egg retrieval. So we we did one egg retrieval. We um, had two quality embryos from that egg retrieval, and uh, he was uh, the result. So um, we're very – like we feel very <laughs> – fortunate that it worked for us so quickly um, and that we, you know, we were lucky enough to have our son. He's a little miracle. Um, But, you know, the experience of being a nutritionist and going through IVF was really interesting. So I have, one of the reasons I I love specializing in fertility medicine is that, um, you know, I feel like it's, We often see these like two sides of things, right? We see like the patient side of being like going through IVF and the, the, the torment and the difficulty and all the health conditions that usually go behind that. And, and the difficulty, like trying to figure out what to do. And then we see like the nutrition side or the, like the healthcare provider side that, you know, feels like it has all the answers or, you know, that it's all there is, or um, as very matter of fact. And so as a nutritionist, I had like an interesting perspective because I have, you know, PCOS, I have my own health conditions, I've had cancer, like I've been through a lot of that patient side stuff and I know what that's like and I know the fear of infertility and I know how much it takes away from you mentally, emotionally, how it exhausts you. Um, We went through infertility for like five or six years um before we ended up going through the IVF process. So um, it was a long road for us, you know, but also as a nutritionist, it was interesting because on the one hand, I know the science, right? And I understand the biochemistry behind how food can affect, you know, for example, embryo um, quality and, and, uh, can affect ovulation and can affect levels of other hormones. I understand how those two things can, can work. Um, but the hard part was putting it into practice for my own health needs. So I, I found myself fine, stuck between these two kind of dichotomous things. Like by day, here I am a nutritionist who, um, you know, not like trying to brag at all, but I'm, I'm good at my job. Like I, I good at nutrition, um, and helping clients, recover their fertility, helping clients like recover their health. And then on the other side, here I am like as a patient, like going through this IVF process and, and it's, um, and the infertility stuff and like not being successful and not being able to really like get clear and see my health issues for what they were. Um, this is why working with a professional is so important because even for a professional, like it's so hard to be objective about yourself. Like it is so easy to justify different things, different meals, different, um, you know, bad day. So I did this, you know, I made that choice because of this, um, emotional eating, especially when you've gone through infertility for a long time. And then this sort of feeling that like, there's really no hope because gosh, if I'm a nutritionist and this is what I'm going through, then, um, you know, what's the point? Right. So, um, so it was hard to separate those two things. But I think going through that process and knowing what it's like and then coming out the other side of it has really helped me to put a lot of things into perspective and to even focus a little bit more on uh, realizing what things I maybe didn't do correctly, right? What things I did wrong, and hopefully I can help other women not do. Um, so today, what I want to talk about are a few things that I added in at the very end of the whole IVF process that I wish I would have done from the beginning, um, because they do have solid research behind them. And we're going to talk about a few different studies and things like that. Um, they do have solid research behind them and, you know, objectively, like they help they reduce stress, um, which is such a difficult problem going through infertility, and can potentially save you some money down the line. Um, So I wonder sometimes like, well, if I had like, really, really given it my best shot, like I urge my clients to do, would I have had to go through IVF? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Things are so foggy from that. But what I do know is that I've seen this in practice with many of my clients um, who have gotten pregnant either fairly quickly from IVF or through other fertility medications or just naturally. I've had a a spree of people getting pregnant naturally lately, which is really cool. Um, So I know that these things help. Like I can see it happening in front of my eyes, you know. And so these are some things that um, when I finally kind of got my head in the game um, and sort of started to accept that like I really did want – a child. And I really did uh, want IVF to work. And I didn't want to hold on to my anger and bitterness anymore. When I finally wrapped my head around that, and it almost paradoxically helped me to let go of the outcome, uh, if that makes sense. And and so I started implementing some things that I wish I would have done all along. So um, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about that whole mindset thing um, in this podcast, too. But I want to go over the, the science stuff first. So um, so, the three things that I started doing uh number one, I started taking better care of my health, like what I was eating, and I've been open about this before that you know i'm I'm somewhat embarrassed uh, though not ashamed, to admit that. When going through a lot of the infertility stuff that we went through, um, when going through uh, some of the bouts of cancer, I did not take care of myself like I should have. I was not eating well. Um, I was not like eating regular consistent meals. I was not eating on time. And the quality of the food that I was eating was not great. Like there were times when I just was like eating fast food and and stuff. And I'll just be honest with you. Like it's, it's um, nutritionists are not always perfect, right? Uh, and I think... I've said this before, but a lot of women are drawn to a nutrition career because they struggle with their diets, because they struggle with nutrition. And so it's like a hyper focus for them. So they end up, you know, being so dedicated to learning about it that they make it into a career. But it doesn't change the fact that um, it's something that they struggle with, right? Um, and that's, that's always been the case for me. Like nutrition has never been something that came super easily to me. Like the understanding of it, yes, but the actual practicality of implementing it into my life, no, it's, it's always been a battle. Um, and so throughout the first, the egg retrieval, and then the first FET, I was not taking very good care of myself. See, I had reached this point where I was so depressed about the infertility and so foggy about it and just so feeling like it was out of my control at all that um, I had just kind of given up on doing my part. So I'd reached this point where it was like, okay, this is out of my hands. So now I'm just going to like trust the doctors and I'm just going to like do what they tell me. And I'm just going to rely on this, on these medications and just, you know, almost like, like they were magic. Like, okay, if it's going to work, it's going to work. If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And like, what can I do, you know? Um, and so kind of giving up my own control or my own responsibility there. And to be fair, like when we are dealing with infertility, of course, there are a lot of things out of our control, right? And I'm not saying that if you were to like eat better, um, you know, you're magic, like everything's magically going to work out and you're not going to need IVF or whatever. I mean, that's not true but um we get into this whole we can get into the cycle with our mind where we're so miserable and frustrated with the experience that uh we We just stop trying, like we stop taking any responsibility for ourselves. Um, And, you know, I see these things like, you know, everybody's like after their transfer, they want to go get like McDonald's fries or whatever. And I'm thinking like, why are we doing that? You know, like that's that's like the last thing we want to do after a very delicate procedure. Right. Is like eat something that we know is going to cause like inflammation in our system you know um so but it's like this idea that like wow you've been through a lot so like you don't need to worry about food like at (laughs) at least don't worry about food um but paradoxically you know it's it it almost helps us to let go of the outcome in a positive way when we do take back some of our responsibility for ourselves because let's be honest like a lot of these health conditions that do affect fertility do have a health component that we have some responsibility for or we have some control over. That's not to say that it's your fault. I saw another nutritionist posting about this today actually and I thought that was interesting since I was planning to talk about it today. But just because you have fertility issues doesn't mean that like these things aren't your fault. Like you didn't like cause them to happen, you didn't make them happen. But Nevertheless, they happened and you do still have some responsibility to try to take back whatever control that you can. If you expect, there goes my phone, if you expect for things to, to work out the best way that they could, then you have to do your part, if that makes sense. And that's not to say that if you don't do your part, that things won't work out at all. Um, You know, that's not true either. But if you do do your part and you do treat yourself better. Not only will you, pro- will you have an e- easier time of having a better outcome, but also your body will be much more prepared for the potential for pregnancy and labor and, um, you know, actually mothering a child and breastfeeding a child and all these things that come later. I- in the infertility community, we can get so caught up with just those that pregnancy. Like we just want to see those two pink lines, you know, and we don't think about what's next. I was the same way. Like, I could not fathom, like, the actual baby. All I could think about was, like, can I get pregnant? Can I even get pregnant? Um, Because I had never been pregnant before. These are the things that I did. Number one, I started eating better. Um, This is key. Nutrition is really important for egg quality. I've done other podcasts on this, and I know that this will be a topic that I'll cover in the future. So I'm not going to go into great depth on it. But nutrition really, really plays a role in egg quality. There are a few studies – just a few studies um that I'll link to below but you know the studies that have been done on IVF and fertility tend to say that when a person pays attention to the diet quality um, and it's hard to measure this is hard to measure I should I should say nutrition research is notorious for being f- like foggy and um, hard to to suss out because you can't isolate nutrition in a person's entire lifestyle it's just really really hard to do like you can't sit people down who are living real lives and be like okay you eat this this and this exactly the same as this other person every single day for months at a time so that we can get a good sample um, so there's always like different factors that affect different things so there's a Dutch study here um, women who had like a one point increase on their um, dietary preconception dietary risk profile which meant that they had like a one point um, they were, you know, slightly higher on the um, beneficial nutrients that they were taking in. They uh, had a sixty-five percent increased rate of ongoing pregnancy. So they ate a little bit better than the other women in the study, and this was all done by them recounting how they ate. But they had a sixty-five percent rate of ongoing pregnancy, and that's that's pretty big. Now, that's a a study that that's a study that was small, um, and not one that we can make a ton of conclusions on, but we can kind of start to see like, okay, so there might be something there, right? Um, there's been some studies done on the Mediterranean diet and uh, IVF. So Mediterranean diet associated was associated with increased pregnancy and live birth rate in, in non-obese women going through their first IVF cycle, and it increased their embryo yield. So um, We've had lots of studies done on the Mediterranean diet, and this is one reason why, like, your doctor is probably always mec- recommending the Mediterranean diet. Mediterranean diet is, is a little bit easier to kind of account for in a study. Um, it's essentially a diet where you just eat, like, lots of, um, you know, good quality oils, like, you have, uh, protein, but you limit red meat proteins, um, and then every, you eat a lot of whole foods. But it does have grains in it, but they're, they're whole, unrefined grains. Um, Fruit and vegetable intake in another study was um, correlated with increased success in an IVF cycle. So that's just three studies. There are a lot out there. Um, But they all kind of point to the same conclusion that if you pay attention to what you're eating during your IVF retrieval, um, it does make a difference in how many embryos you get. And in the quality of those embryos, it's obviously ideal. And this is another thing I've talked about before. It's ideal to uh, pay attention to this stuff like three months before your retrieval. But even if it's just the month before, like, it can't do any harm to start focusing on your nutrition. And what the studies can show is like, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to go on like some complicated, you know, diet or anything. Um, obviously, you'll get better results, the more customized you get to your unique health needs. But uh, a lot of these studies are just done on like Mediterranean diet. They're done on increased fruit and vegetable intake. They're done on, you know, like increased whole food intake. Um, and, that, and that's a big thing. If you can decrease the amount of um, processed food that you're eating, increase the amount of whole food food that you're eating, increase the amount of fruit and vegetables that you're eating. That's always going to help. So um, that's what I started to do. So before going through IVF, I had been a pretty like healthy person. I had been really on a roll with my health where, you know, I, I would go to like whole foods for lunch and like, um, I was eating, you know, I was staying gluten and dairy free. Like I was eating a lot of like produce a lot more than I had ever in the past. And I just like was feeling really good and had, had gotten to like the healthiest weight that I'd ever been at and just felt really good about myself, you know? And then um, going through IVF was so stressful and the medications make you gain weight and, and it just didn't feel good. And of course, compound that with not feeling good and then kind of wanting to eat junk food that I just hadn't been feeling my best, especially during that first transfer. So for the second one, you know, it was getting into springtime and I always feel really energized during the spring. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to start eating good again. And like, I'm going to lose this, this weight that I've been carrying, this extra like IVF weight, I'm just going to feel good about myself. So I started doing that. Um, and that uh, I feel like really helped because it helped my mood and it helped um, how I felt. Okay, second thing I did, and um, I'm going to link to these below, but I started um, doing these guided meditations. So there's actually this company called Circle and Bloom, and they do these guided meditations for... Um, for different like fertility treatments. So they've got guided meditations for like, if you're just trying to conceive, you know, like naturally, they've got them for PCOS. They've got them for, if you're going through an IUI, they've got them if you're going through um, IVF, they've got them for your frozen embryo transfer. So I believe I downloaded like the frozen embryo transfer one, although I wish I had done them during my egg retrieval and stuff like that. Um, And I started doing these guided meditations. I started forcing myself to do them (laughs) every night. Uh, This was hard. Because uh, I don't like stuff like that. I'll be honest. Like, I'm not big on like guided meditation stuff. I just find it kind of corny. And uh, especially when I was going through like infertility stuff, like you could not get me to get on the bandwagon of like, okay, think positive and like things will work out for you. I just feel like life is so much more complicated than just think positive. Um, And I've always felt that way. Um, And I still feel that way. Like, again, I don't think like – Your negative thoughts about your infertility are, like, causing things to go wrong. I really don't believe that. Um, But here's what I knew. I knew that my bitterness and my negativity about the process was harming me because I was not my old happy self. Like, the light had gone out of my eyes. I just wasn't in a good place. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. I wanted to feel better about the process. I wanted to find hope again in the process. Like, I wanted, if I did get pregnant, to be excited about the pregnancy and not scared to death about the pregnancy, if that makes sense. So I wanted to try to offset. And I know I had heard... That these mind-body therapies and things and like the positive thinking could could be beneficial, and so I thought, well, if it could help, I'm doing everything that could help this time, right? I'm eating well, I'm eating better, so why not try to incorporate some guided meditation? So I found these ones by Circle and Bloom, and um, I'm actually an affiliate of theirs now because I liked their product so much when I was going through IVF, and now I recommend it to clients. But um. What they do is they like walk you through each day of the process. So for like the frozen embryo transfer, there was a meditation for like leading up to the transfer. There was a meditation for the day of the transfer. And then there was a meditation for like each day after just helping you visualize and imagine the embryo implanting. And um, that was so helpful because all day long, I was scared. All day long, I was scared. But when I did those meditations, I had like one half-hour segment or one-hour segment where I actually felt calm. I felt at peace about it. It just really, really helped me. And I feel like I needed that because I needed to stop those thoughts as much as I could just to function well and to like keep my perspective on everything. So the meditations, I feel like, really, really helped me, even though I'll admit that like they did get on my nerves. So especially after I, um, after I did get pregnant, I kept doing them because they have them for pregnancy as well. And they kind of like have one for each week of pregnancy, which I thought was like super cool, you know, and they help you imagine how the baby's growing and, and all the stuff like that. And, and, um, and I really liked that I wanted to like transfer positivity, you know? Um, but even though I liked them and I felt like they were helpful, they still got on my nerves sometimes because it's just not like me to do that. Um, but I think it was good for me. I really do. And I, I think it's good for for even people who are skeptical about that kind of stuff to do that. Um, you know, I wrote down some things because there's not a, a, a ton of like research about, okay, like this specific mind body, like this meditation specifically, like improves IVF outcomes, right? You're not going to find research like that. What you do find, though, is research that shows that mind-body therapies – so we're talking about yoga, we're talking about meditation, and we're talking about, like, cognitive behavioral therapy. Those are kind of the big ones that are usually studied. Those three things are associated with reduced markers of inflammation, Um, like C-reactive protein, for example. And there are good studies that show that when people do those things and incorporate those things into their life – Inflammation levels in their body do reduce, which means that stress in their body reduces. And then we've also got anecdotal evidence that people say when they do these things that they are more grounded, they are more well-rounded, they feel better about things, they have a better outlook on things, which um, is also positive, right? Because... The IVF experience is not just about the IVF experience. The IVF experience is about how you as a woman process the IVF experience, what it means to you. Is it traumatic for you? Is it beneficial for you? Is it positive for you? Those are things that matter too. It doesn't just matter whether you get pregnant or not. It matters how you cope with the IVF experience. So guided meditations and things like that help you cope. Like they help you feel better. And that's important because this is stressful and it is traumatic. And, you know, if you do come out the other side of it without a baby, like, gosh, ouch, you know, um, even with a baby, there's still so much that you have to work through emotionally after you've gone through IVF. So if we know that these things help, um, help with stress and with inflammation, we can make the assumption that a procedure in which inflammation can be um, detrimental, right, like IVF, then these therapies would would potentially help um, improve outcomes. Okay, so I did those. And um, the last thing that I did was I really invested in fertility acupuncture. Um, I think sometimes think people think acupuncture and like, I kind of had this thought process. I thought that acupuncture was like a little woo woo. Like, you know, they say it helps with IVF, but I'm like, but does it really, um, I know when I told, I told some people that I was going to do acupuncture for IVF and they're like, really? Like, does that really work? Or is that just like, you know, one of those things like, um, you know, like meditation or whatever. The thing is acupuncture has been extensively studied in fertility. It really has. There's like ample evidence that it helps, um, you know, there's different theories about how it helps because it, it does use a completely different form of medicine, you know, it's Chinese medicine. So we're talking about energy meridians on the body. We're not talking about, um, you know, it's not Western at all. So it's interesting that it's so effective, right? Um, I think that's pretty cool. But a lot of people struggle to kind of put it into their Western mindset. Uh, but we do know that it works. It works so well that many of the major fertility clinics in the country have their own fertility acupuncturists on, on site, On staff to like provide these services to women because fertility clinics, since they do primarily get paid out of pocket, like they want their outcomes to be as good as possible. That's why sometimes they'll turn you away, you know, if they don't feel like you're going to have good outcomes. So, um, so it's interesting, you know, if they're on board with it, then, you know, it works, um, and actually, you know, I won't go a ton into the research on this because I just did a podcast a couple weeks ago with my good friend Melsa who is a fertility acupuncturist in San Antonio and she um she was actually my acupuncturist while I was going through IVF and um you know, I felt like that experience was really foundational to the success of my FET. Um it was such a stress reliever. It was another chance to do another meditation. So a lot of times I would do the meditation twice on that day. I would do it while I was at acupuncture and then I'd do it before bed again. Um, And I feel like any time, any chance to just rest, relax, reflect, and not be feeling so super stressed, especially while going through this very stressful experience, any of that that you can get is beneficial. Um, But also, you know, we know that if women have acupuncture done regularly and at specific times around their transfer that it doesn't in- increase uh, pregnancy rate. And so um, I feel like it helped because, you know, this embryo was not the highest quality embryo, right? But he just needed to kind of like implant and get get moving forward. And then um, my body could kind of pick up the slack, right? So I feel like acupuncture really helped increase the odds that that embryo implanted which which it did And um, I started the acupuncture several weeks before um, before the transfer. What Melsa recommends is uh, at least six weeks before preferably before your retrieval um, and then continuing on through your transfers and everything that's when you get the best results from it. But, you know, even if you just come in like right before your transfer, but it's like anything else, like it's like nutrition, Um, it's like meditation, all these things are cumulative, right? So you are going to get the best results the more time and effort you put into them. So with nutrition, like, yes, eating better the week of your transfer, it makes a difference because what it'll do is it'll help balance your blood sugar, which helps make implantation easier. But uh, it would make far more of a difference if you could start it, you know, a month before or even better three months before. Right. And we know this from the process of folliculogenesis. If you're interested in any of that stuff, um, there's another podcast I did all about like IVF and, um, and pregnancy and, and, uh, how to prepare, you know, how to prepare your body with, um, nutrition for that. And I'm actually like low key working on a book (laughs) about that. We'll see when I get it done. Um, but, you know, that's really a passion of mine is preparing women's bodies for for pregnancy and fertility through fertility medications. Um, so those three things are proven strategies, right? And I'm all about, like, evidence-based stuff. Now, I know with the, like, mind-body therapies, you're making a little bit of an intellectual leap there. But I think it's a leap that can be made. Um It's the same kind of thing with with other stuff with nutrition research. It's like, well, we know that nutrition, you know, uh, does this, this and this like it lowers it it regulates blood sugar and it um, lowers inflammation and um, all these things. Right. And increases uh, the amount of like vitamins and minerals in the body. So we know it does that. And then we know that women have poorer outcomes when they are, like, high in inflammation levels and when they are um, carrying excess body fat and when they um, don't have, like, great nutrient density or whatever. So we can make the assumption that, like, okay, if nutrition does that and we focus on nutrition, then it should improve this other thing, right? Um, So it's all about lifestyle and everything's connected. And that's why it's hard to study certain things like this, because when everything's connected, it's hard to isolate. It's not like just taking a pill where you can isolate that experience. And that's getting into like research and how you do proper research and all that stuff, which I won't get into today. But, um, but yeah. So those are some things that I feel like helped if you are going through IVF, um, if you're getting ready for a retrieval, um, or whatever it may be, if you're going through medicated cycles, and you're thinking ahead, like, okay, if, you know, we've got two more cycles of Clomid left. And if that doesn't work, we're moving on to the fertility clinic. Those are great times to start looking at a nutritionist. Um, If you're listening to this in 2021, February 2021. I'm accepting patients for February at the moment. So I do still have some spots left. Um, And uh, that's my, you know, you guys are my, like, really my focus of my practice. You know, I work in all of women's health, but I really, really am passionate about um, fertility treatment care. So um, with that said... I'm going to wrap up for today because I don't have anything else for you. Um, You're going to hear a a little outro at the end of this, giving you some more information about Patreon and all that stuff. Um, But if you guys have questions for the podcast, you know, I love answering your questions and I love incorporating them into into what I do. So feel free to send an email to anamberdaypodcast at gmail.com and I would be happy to answer your questions. If you are a client, and you have been through working with me, um, whether for PCOS, for fertility, um, whatever it may be, even autoimmunity stuff, I am actively seeking out clients to interview. People love to hear the real client experience. I've had a few other podcasts published in the past where I interviewed uh, ex-clients of mine. And people love those podcasts, you know, because they just really like to see what, what happens to a real person who goes through the functional nutrition experience. So if that's something that you would ever be interested in, I would appreciate it greatly. And I would like just jump at the chance to interview you. So please um, reach out. Let me know that you'd want to do that and we'll get you on the schedule. Okay, guys. All right. Well, that's all I have for you today. Have a really good week and we will talk next week. Have a good one. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time and I would love to hear from you thanks so much for listening. See you next time.